All right, we are digging for wisdom, and this is sadly our last episode of the football season, but happily, it's the state championship weekend, which we've all made our way to. We've been excited about this here in AT&T Stadium, so I'll be able to get to all the games. I don't know if Dixie's going to go to any of them. Are you going to go to any of them or some of them? Or? I'm going on Wednesday. I, I got to go uh, check out I got to go check out the snake farm. I, I think because uh, I, you know, Ray Wiley Hubbard tweeted and said that uh, he would be unavailable to be there to perform it live because he'll be in Taos. Maybe I'll go perform it live. I, I know you don't know this, but I've got a musical background, and okay. I think I can go, Snake Farm, it's a little bit nasty. Snake Farm, ooh. Oh, my goodness. You I think do. I can do that. I you do I have do. a musical background. I'm learning something new about you every day, huh? Man, it's, these state title games, as we know, uh, a lot of them, the 6A ones at least, are going to be Dallas versus Houston. But all day Friday, all day Saturday are going to be all DFW games except the middle middle one there on Friday. Uh, my question to you is, are we going to see competitive games? And if we are, where's that going to be? Or do we want to go through them one at a time? Or can you give we'll me go a through One at a time. I, I don't think we're – I mean, we're, we're to the point now, and you can even look at this back in the, 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 regional fi- you know, the regional finals and then the state semifinals. I mean, just this past week, I'm – Point spreads of 42, 24, 36, 28, 12, 11, 23, 37, 38, 21, 28, and 14. I mean, when you get to the, and then 20 and 20, uh, 14 for the 2A uh, Division II schools, when you get to this point, usually you have a team that is playing on a very high level. And I think you could probably make the argument that eight of these 12 games are pretty much, you know, I think a majority of people are going to pick one thing. That doesn't mean it always happens like that. You know, we can all pick one thing and and something else happens. That's the beauty of the state championship. Uh, Also just the unpredictability of the state championship injuries happen, especially at the smaller schools. One player could be the equivalent of two players because Mm -hmm. if you lost a key contributor uh, who plays both ways, that could be a a big deal. Even if it was just a knockout for a a quarter or concussion, or something obviously you never want to see that sort of thing but that that's the whole point of you want to get here because if you get here you get a chance and if you got a chance you can make magic big things happen i mean ward you, you see it all the time you know like in college hoops you just got to get there sometimes yeah. and if you get there you can make magic happen and you can give yourself a puncher's chance and then that first matchup we're talking about we're going to start right off at 6a division one and we've, we've seen this thing you know this is the fifth out of the last six years and they made magic, magic happen the first time they played. It's probably the best state fight, final game ever on that Hail Mary. But Dunkville's playing North Shore again. Uh, they, they took care of them last year to get their first state title since the uh, early late 90s. And, and it's because one of the main reasons because, you know, North Shore had that backup quarterback and their wide receiver throwing in their quarterback. They got Caleb Bailey in there now. And he's, playing, he's playing solid football. But this is still – a game where Duncanville should be a heavy favorite just because they got the best player in the nation in just about every position there. Defensive end, running back, wide receiver. It's it's hard to slow them down, and they've only had, what, they've beaten everybody by at least six touchdowns in the playoffs. It's, it's been ridiculous. Caden Durham's got more t- rushing yards in the playoffs than he had during the 10 regular season games. They're just clicking on all cylinders since that loss to uh, DeSoto earlier in the year. Now, I've got a devil's advocate for you because, you know, North Shore's, North Shore's run has been a little bit tougher. I mean, they, they had to play a full 48 minutes 
if North Shore and Duncanville goes 48 minutes, and you just kind of cited the statistic that uh, Duncanville has been playing their thirds in the third and fourth quarter uh, coming on, is that a benefit for North Shore that mm. Duncanville might not be ready to play a 48-minute game? Because the one 48-minute game they had to mm-hmm. play this year, they lost. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, that that very well could be the case. But it, unlike that DeSoto game, if they play 48 minutes, it's not because it's going to be a shootout. I don't think. If they play 48 minutes, it's because North Shore somehow shut them down to, to be in the 20s, and then all of a sudden we have a 24-24 game in the fourth. But I don't see that happening. Do you? A couple of variables I, I think are important, and and one of them I think is is a valid argument that maybe I shouldn't be making, but I feel like for the uh, – for, for the judiciousness of our podcast, I think we, we should share our uh, journalistic uh, opinions. And I think for this specific year, I'm not going to go ahead and, and broaden it out past this year. It's really probably unfair that this thing is at Arlington because you've got three schools back to back all within 10 miles who get to have a normal Saturday. You know, that Saturday, they get to go home, they get to sleep at home. Uh, you know, they don't have to wake up early and prepare. And you got three schools around the state who are going to either have to spend the night in Arlington or get up at four or five o'clock in the morning to make it there, whereas the, the Dallas schools are going to have their normal routine. And these are all three schools that have won a state championship. So they're familiar with this. They're familiar with the routine. And at least two of the three, it's their first time he- here in this run. North Shore uh, probably feels like, you know, AT&T is a second home. So I think that is a factor. And, and you're talking about indistinguishable teams, and we're talking about intangibles at this point. That's going to be an intangible for Duncanville over North Shore. That's going to be an intangible for Umble, for DeSoto over Humble Creek. And uh, I think even for Port Natchez Grove over against South Oak Cliff, we know that Port Natchez Grove crew is going to come up I-45 and, and bring it out. But still, it's going to be that 11 a.m. game. They're either going to have to come the night before or they're going to have to wake up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning to make sure they get there. That's going to wear on you. Even if you go the night before and get a hotel, it's still not your routine. You're not sleeping in your bed. You're not sleeping in your experiences. And there's also research out there, where, and I can give you this because I'm a psychology professor, and whenever you're in a hotel for the first night, your sleep is by far the worst because you have a fight-or-flight mechanism, and it's just – completely an unfamiliar setting. So you are basically completely out of your rhythm if you spend the night there. Or if you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you're having a an issue there as well because you're out of routine. South Oak Cliff is going to be completely in routine, all of DeSoto and Duncanville. So I think there is a factor that is going to be involved in that. And last year we had the DISD or we had the, the Dallas area sweep uh, in, in the 5A and 6A, I think very possible that that can happen again. And as that relates to Duncanville and North Shore, that's a big factor. And I mean, we've got a first year coach and we've talked about this repeatedly on our podcast. And even back in the campfire, we're talking about first year coaches and, and how that impacts things. And even though, uh, you know, it, it's not his first time at this dance, it's his first time having to control all of these mechanisms. And I think when you look at the fact that Duncanville has just been they, they seemed offended by the uh by the DeSoto loss. Like, you know, we played horrible and they got lit up. And the fact that they beat North Crowley the way they did Ward. I I, mm-hmm. I, I told you this, uh, that I was going to pretty much base my whole opinion based on last week. You had North Shore had to go a dogfight against Westlake. 48 minutes uh, for that game to be uh, decided, whereas Duncanville had that thing pretty much in the bag at halftime. Mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm sticking with Duncanville on this one. I just think there's too much going against Galena Park North Shore, even the little things, that it's going to make it very hard for them to overcome that. I agree with you. And another factor is we've had it at AT&T Stadium for, what, a good 10 years now, 17 years, whatever it's been. That takes all the variables out of it because North Shore changed their offense completely against Westlake because of the win factor. All they did was ground and pound. You didn't see Caleb Bailey throw. I think he threw – 12 times, something like that, 15 maybe, and he usually can throw it many other times. But they didn't want to they want to mess around with the air because of the wind out there, and they just ran and ran and ran. And they played a tougher – I think Austin Westlake may be tougher than North Crowley, but you may, you may argue the other way around. Had some tougher competition out there. Having said that, it'll, it'll rely – they got one guy that could maybe stop DeCorian Moore with, with Devin Sanchez on their DBs, but I don't know who's stopping the rest of them. I don't know who's stopping uh, Caden Durham, and I don't know how they're they're moving the ball as as easily as they think they may be able to against that defense, which is they just got D one all over the place. So I think that's a North Shore, you know, twenty point win. And uh, excuse me, Duncanville twenty point win. And isn't it crazy that DeCorian Moore? I mean, as as we get going on to, you know, the podcast, you know, we're going to talk about Jacob Emmers and and what a factor he is. DeCorian Moore may be one of the best receivers in the state of Texas, recruiting wise. And you know, it, it, he's just kind of an afterthought. You know, he, Duncanville could win a state championship if he can't catches one for seven yards. I mean, that's how loaded Duncanville is uh, across the board. And really, their reliance on Caden Durham has been great, and he's been willing to go up for the task. And you talk about more at a micro level. Uh, we've talked about that defensive line. For, that's going to be such fun football, the the the, the line play. Uh, but everything, it just seems like Duncanville just has a little bit more of an advantage. Now, you, you kind of talked about the comparison between North Crowley and Westlake. It's so hard to make that comparison. I think what yeah. I said last week about size was really the, the, the key factor when it came to, to North Crowley. They just couldn't compete with Duncanville. Uh, and and they, they got blasted. And sometimes in these games, when one team is just a little bit better on all phases of the game the game can get ugly I'm almost concerned that this game could get ugly this could be one of those blowouts if if Duncanville just has enough of the intangibles to where they're just that much better and put in all those other things we talked about Duncanville could finally get that win where they they make a point and then maybe one of the things we would be talking about in a realignment podcast or a hypothetical thing was who would have won a DeSoto and Duncanville rematch I'm sure that will take a lot of the Facebook groups uh, something to talk about until you get to realignment yeah, yeah, that kind of brings us up to the next one. I'd love to – I mean, we were both at the DeSoto game against South Lake Carroll. Man, it is hard to give that ball up four times and still put up 45 points and look virtually unstoppable on offense except for when you drop that ball on the ground or, or throw the pick. Boy, they, they that offensive machine, it's going to be hard for Summer Creek to slow down. And if they can't slow them down right off the, right off the start, that last tip of the night Saturday could get out of hand really quick. In, in a world where we use a lot of cliches, you know, talk about potential ceilings and turnovers and, and this and that, you know, you and I were both down there at, at points of the game, uh, d- down there on the DeSoto sidelines, on the Carroll sidelines, and that DeSoto offensive line is ridiculously big. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the you're standing next to a 6'9 guy, mm-hmm. and, you know, he might even be 6'10", you know, if, if he, he may be slouching on yeah. uh, media day because – they will just wear on you. And you can see that with the Carroll. One of the things you'll see coaches talking about is that you have to do you have to do the work in the offseason because in December that's when it's going to pay off. 
they were they were whipped. I mean, at the end of that game, South Lake Carroll was whipped by having that uh, DeSoto offensive line just lean on him and lean on him seven to ten yards at a gash. And uh, DeAndre Ryden had almost 250 yards in this game, maybe even just a little bit over, depending on uh, which stats you're using. And they just wore them down, had over 600 yards of offense. And like you said, four turnovers for DeSoto and still kind of won that game comfortably. There was not a point where I was – seriously considering that Minnesota was going to lose that game. I mean, it was just a – yeah, they got some separation there at the end, but they they took care of business not playing their best game. Now, you can give the Summer Creek argument because Summer Creek got got the athletes. They showed up against Cibolo Steel and had it their one of their best games, but you can kind of look at that Hightower game as the game that, you know, maybe exposed them a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And, and going back to really quickly to DeSoto, those big offensive linemen, it's one thing to see them and then, okay, they just push me around and let me catch my breath. They're not letting you catch your breath. They run that hurry-up offense every time they have the ball, especially if they get the thing going. Maybe if they run into some trouble, they'll stop and do a little huddle or something. But that thing's moving over and over again at a fast pace, and you cannot, you can't catch your breath. And I think that's where the problem may lie there with Summer Creek. Now, Summer Creek, interesting fact with them is they – and, and I just found this out recently because I'm up here in DFW producing a Houston show, but their quarterback, Blake Thomas, he found out he was going to be quarterback a week before the season started because their starting quarterback, Tristan Sanchez, towards ACL in the scrimmage. And all of a sudden this wide receiver moves over to quarterback. Now they he's more of a game manager. I call him a, a Brock Purdy type because he's kind of just managing it, make sure things don't go wrong because Lloyd Avant is their big running back and he gets the ball 25 to 30 times a game. But, if DeSoto shuts down the run, and I, that's a big if because they certainly didn't do it against Southlake and they haven't done it in a lot of games. They gave up, what, 500 yards of offense last uh, last week. So that's that may be one key for the South uh, Summer Creek to score a little bit. But I, I just can't see what how they're going to react to something like that. They have one defensive player that's that's of note, Xavier Atkins, a linebacker who's going to LSU. He, he transferred in from – Louisiana to get away from a bad element that he was around there. And he's he's been a surprising star down there in the Houston area because they hadn't seen him all year. But uh, one guy's not going to stop the trio of running backs that, that uh, they're, you're going to see a lot from DeSoto. You know, we do rely on, on st- stats and yardage quite a bit here. Uh, but, you know, sometimes we get to see the games and we kind of yeah. see them play out. And, you know, to me, that Carroll 500 yards felt a little bit empty at times because, you know, they had two big plays that got about mm-hmm. 160, 170 of those yards. They had the drive late, which got them another 70 or 80. But at times when they had to get five yards in four plays, down, they couldn't do it, you know, down yeah. in – down in the red zone, down on the goal line, they struggled with that. And and DeSoto has that kind of bend but don't break defense. You kind of saw it yeah. against Willis as well, where Willis got their yards. You know, DJ Lagway got the numbers against them, but it was just like, yeah, that that's nice. But what did that mean in, in that situation? They it, it was very meaningless. And and I feel like a lot of the uh, South Lake Carroll yards were in, in big plays, and you, you they get they they all count the same at the end of the day. But I never really felt like they could just go from seventy five yards in twelve plays against Desoto. Right. You know, it had to be big play schemed something like that because eventually Desoto would make a play. And I don't know if Summer Creek can do that. Can Summer Creek? And that's my question for you. Go twelve plays seventy five yards with their offensive style, or is it going to have to be big play, big play, big play no. to get those points? They can do it, but they can't do it at the, the rapid pace that DeSoto does. I mean, they they have long drives. And, and the thing that's that kind of sticks out in my mind is the contrast of the two coaches. 
Uh, we talked to Rodney Webb. He knows Kenny Harrison a lot, the head coach at Summer Creek. Kenny Harrison is a very laid back kind of guy. He's a, he's a cool coach. And the, and the intensity that Claude Mathis and, I, and me and Claude are, are good friends, the intensity he brings before, during, and slightly after the game is, is unmatched. You've got to try to match that intensity level coach for coach because he's going to be on the refs. He's going to be on his players. As soon as the 40-minute mark on your pregame clock starts ticking, he's got the earphones in. He's right in that thing. He's ready to go. He's intense. He's yelling. He's screaming. And Kenny Harrison's kind of more of a laid-back kind of guy. And there's also the factor is they've never been here. They're, they're, they're making history every time they win a game. They made a history being the only umbo-IST team ever to make it to state. They made history of getting the state semifinal, now to the final. This is – Borrowed time they're on right now. That's they're just they're riding this thing out, see where they can go, and then you throw in the fact that you brought up late also where they have to travel all the way up here, and it's it's not going to be routine for them. They're going to make a new routine. It might be a tough night for for the boys, the Bulldogs from Summer Creek. What would be your path like? Like if you're creating the the perfect storm, you know what would it be? Would it be another four turnovers? Is it going to be special teams? What what does Summer Creek have if we want to give us a little bit of optimism? Not that we have Summer Creek fans right, here, but right. you know for our fair and balanced journalism, what what is their pathway from what you've seen in Summer Creek? The turnover deal is a big thing, but the time of possession's got to be in their favor, like by double. They've got to have the ball double the amount of time that Desoto does. So it means when they get the rock, they just got to. Like you said, twelve for seventy yards. They got to just grind it out. If it takes you four time, four downs to get a first down, that's in your favor against the DeSoto team. Because if you score quick, they're going to score quick too, and then you're in trouble. So, I think that's their pathway: time of possession and turnovers. And and I just I can't see them making four turnovers again like they did last week. I, they're they're going to be that's like the up. worst worst thing for them is like what are the odds of DeSoto, who's had like ten turnovers all year, doing four two straight weeks? Yeah. I mean, it, it just seems very unlikely uh, given just the law of averages at that point. Uh, so I, I'm taking DeSoto big. Yeah, I am too. I am too. I'm taking Alito big too. And that's the next next game we're talking about, 5A Division One. Uh, Alito, the whole year we thought we, we could see their swan song in, in 5A, but it looks like they came up with six students short of going to 6A. So they'll be back in 5A again. And – they're probably going to have 12 titles when they start their 5A season next year as they, as they look like they're going to be a big odds-on favorite. They got the nightcap Friday night against Smithson Valley. Man, I, I don't know how much you know about Smithson Valley, but I'll toss that question to you. How do you see them competing in this game? You know, the thing that has made the rounds around Alito, I don't know if you know this, but we're, we're Alito famous right now because of uh, the, the broken commentary. They, they don't like the broken commentary from the dump and uh, from our podcast. And, and it's very motivating for them. And Alito you know, has to kind of manufacture this chip on their shoulder right now because they've played so dominantly. And Alito is a team that kind of reminds me of Denton Ryan for four or five years, that they're clearly the best team on the field. So we're not dealing with Alito. Alito in the past has won with a team concept or with a good player like Jonathan Gray and just, you know, a workable uh, surrounding cast. This year, it seems like almost every player for Alito who's starting could probably be playing college football at, at some point. It may be Juco, maybe D2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for quite a few of them, it's going to be D1 like Hossaini and uh, Devon Keys and, and some of their really good players. And even without racing Gilroy, who, who some people uh, think is the best 2026 running back, there was that debate with Osborne versus Gilroy. Uh, in in 
that's that's on Facebook. You can go read it. It's, it's a little uh, off off kilter at times. Uh, he's a good running back, and it's like they don't even really need him. And you know they got the they got uh, Jadon Finley, who's like you know he he's not even a big factor, and he's a son of an NFL player, and he's going to be a great uh, you know D one talent, and and he's coming into his own. Alito is just absolutely loaded to the point where they're overcoming. Four turnovers, five turnovers, special teams miscues. And it's going to catch up with them at some point, but it's probably going to be next year when it catches up with them and they have to deal with Highland Park and uh, or, or DeSoto in the, in the state semifinals because they are a absolute juggernaut. But Smithson Valley, what I think they're going to do is they're going to play clean football. They're not. I don't think they're going to hurt themselves by mistakes they make, and that that's the dangerous part because at some level, I think Alito is one of the bigger favorites on paper of all these teams we're going to talk about. But given the mistakes they've made, and given the style of football that Larry Hill and that program will continue to do, they have the one of the biggest ceilings of, of outcomes that we might have, you know, the biggest range of outcomes that we might have. I could see Alito winning this game 56 nothing. I could see Smithson Valley winning this game by one point. Uh, it would take a complete meltdown, but that's kind of what I talked about with Forney last week, and we got the more of, of the blowout, that if Forney is going to win, it was going to be a – a flukish, you know, crazy five turnover kind of a win, and they get a fourth quarter, you know, two-point conversion to win. Or Alito might win this game by 50. And I think you kind of see this here. What is that pathway? Alito has shown that they can make special teams errors. Alito has shown that they can have three to five turnovers in a game. You're going to need all of that going your way just to win that game by one score. So what's the pathway for Smithson Valley, the Alito meltdown at the end of the day, and play your style of football? If Alito's defense, which is incredibly talented, their mm-hmm. secondary is very good, if they start ball hawking and they start to force turnovers on you, call it good night. Yeah, this will be one of those games, and, and you just mentioned their path may get them a one-point win. I, don't, I mean – that's your path. You're not predicting it, and I don't see that happening at all. But this is one of those games, if I'm shooting the game, I'm behind the Smithson's Alley Valley offense all the time waiting for pick sixes and fumble scooping scores because that, that defense with Jaden Allen back there and Devon Keys when he's not busy trying to score some some cheapy touchdowns down there at the one, uh, they're just too hard to get, get through. And it's not a team that's ever going to over – they may have overlooked some teams in the playoffs, but when you get to the last game, you're not overlooking a team in the last game at all. You have the pedigree. Hoss Haney's already been an MVP in that in that title game, so why not go for two? I, I just think it's everything's going to click together, and it's going to be a smooth thing, and, we'll, and I'll probably be done shooting at halftime, to be honest with you. It'll probably be 35-7 at the half. I think that's how, how good Alito's going to be uh, Friday night. But we have a game Saturday but morning. Before you do that, because because I, I don't plan on being at that game, Ward. I want everybody to look at Ward. Look at that hat on his head right there. Lido fans, you can go talk to Ward if you have a problem with my commentary. <laughs> go 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 find yeah. this guy and let him know what what you thought about what there you thought you about the DFW. If you podcast. got a problem? You, you got a problem with here. him? If you have a problem with him, you talk to me. I'll bring this humongous notepad. I write this down. Oh, Tom from Melito says you're a real He jerk. will put it in my annual evaluation exactly. for, for all of your considerations. I'll keep everything written down. I'll star the real – I'll X out the expletives so Diggs doesn't have to hear such horrible words. But I'll write them all down. We'll get it to him and on his exit interview for the year because you're out of there. Now, speaking about the 5A Division Two game, that's an 11 a.m. start, and I feel like that's a game I need to be there at 8. 
if I'm gonna get in there, right? Because the the crowds that are be coming for that one, especially the crowds you say are may leave at four a.m. Well, if they leave at four, they may get there at eight. So I better get in there. Or I'm not gonna get in. But PNG against Sock, we saw it last year. PNG got a little bit of a lead. Sock stormed back and took him by ten. Um, but yeah, we talked about it last week. It, nothing bothers Jason Todd, so I don't think a little – if they fall down by a little bit, that he doesn't care. He's going to come back, go ahead and take care of business. But he does make a good point on Twitter. What's the deal with Danny Green? How come he's not getting any offers? I mean, we, we talked about kids wanting offers, the kid from Rockwell, Emory. Danny Green's another one. He's got one offer right now, and he's got over 100 yards in each of these five games, and they've kind of needed it because they've been in some games. Three out of the five games have been – competitive ball game. So tell me what you think about this game against PNG and are we looking at another three peat or a three peat for Sock? You know, Sock has had basically two personalities this year. They've had the 48 minute dominant personality, which we don't see very much, uh, but you saw it against Lovejoy. And what was the result of that? 42 to nothing. And then you see them take the half off and really kind of struggle and then come back in the second half, and just look absolutely dominant. You saw that against Midlothian Heritage, and you saw that against Emerson. Emerson had, uh, it was 10 to 10, but they had no first downs in, in the first half, and they only had 17 total yards of offense, and it was 10 to 10 at halftime because of what their defense did. Danny Green decided to take it on his uh, you know, shoulders and had two big touchdown runs, and then all of a sudden it goes from this incredible uh, you know, back-and-forth game to you know, South Oak Cliff is up three scores, and Emerson scores a, a window-dressing touchdown late to, to make it a 12-point game. Whereas on the other hand, you got Port Natchez Grove, who had the battle against Liberty Hill. Uh, you know, that was a back-and-forth yeah. game, and I'm again, I keep saying I'm looking for style points. The fact that Port Natchez Grove could not give me those style points in that game makes me a little bit concerned that, you know, they're not going to be able to take advantage of the mistakes that South Oak Cliff may or may not give them. Uh, I think we saw it last year, and, and, I, and I saw a great comment on Bally's where, you know, they're interviewing Jason Todd and said, you know, what, what's your split of how much you look at, you know, previous games versus last year? And, you know, he said, you know, it's, it's a 50-50 thing. They look at what they worked with last year, what kind of worked against them, what didn't work against them, and then they also kind of look and see what was working in the game plans uh, this year and in, in, in the playoff run. So I, I think they're – they're, they're going to be a comfort level. They're going to be familiar with what Port Natchez Grove is going to do. So can Port Natchez Grove take advantage of any South Oak Cliff lulls, which there may not be. Uh, but if they can, I think it's got to be a three-score advantage because you saw last year they got up two scores on South Oak Cliff, and I'm sure you and I have talked about it here on the podcast. We were never concerned that South Oak right. Cliff was going to lose that game even though Port Natchez Grove was up two scores. Can they take advantage of any lull? I think that South Oak Cliff is not going to give them a lull this year. I think we're going to get 48 minutes of sock, and I think they're going to take care of business. But, you know, that we've been talking about what is their pathway. PNG's pathway is the first half they got to get up on and, you know, and, and put them in a hole that they haven't been in. Because even against Midlothian Heritage, they were down by two scores in that game. Against Emerson, it was tied as badly as they played. So they're comfortable with that. Uh, so can PNG go up three scores in the first half and – get enough of a little of a, of a buffer to take uh, South Oak Cliff's second half uh, defensive adjustments and offensive adjustments. I don't think they can. I don't think they're going to get up that three scores. But if they can, that's their pathway. Moving on, let's talk about 4A Division One, where we talk about Anna against Chapel Hill. That's the 11 a.m. game on thir- uh, Friday morning. Uh, Anna 
had their guy Jacob Emmers kind of shut down a little bit. I mean, he got six catches against Decatur, but they proved they have other guys. They got the, the running back Chumley that, that came up with 140 yards. They got uh, Sean Steens, who made some big plays in the wide receiver position, and Zion, Zeandra uh, Williams has been perfect for him at quarterback, the guy replacing uh, Evan Bullock. And now they've found themselves in that state title game. They're playing Chapel Hill. Tell us what you think about this game. Does Anna have a shot at winning that state title? This is this is an area where I become very hypocritical, Ward, because it's happened the last two weeks where you and I start talking and, and I, I build the case against Anna, and by the time I'm doing my picks, I'm taking Anna, and, and and they make it they make me look good at the end of the day, and I feel like I could do that again because my heart is telling me Chapel Hill is is the the team here. But the thing that gives me more pause than anything in, in the previous weeks is the fact that Anna shut down Nate Palmer, the All World running back for Decatur, uh, their defense against him was absolutely exceptional, and that was what I wasn't expecting. That was the variable in that game. I thought we were going to get in a track meet, but Anna's defense played as good as they played this year, and when when the UIL realignment numbers came out, you can kind of start to see, because Anna is right on the fringe of, of, as a big 5A Division II school. You know, maybe they would have, and they are playing 4A Division for a 4A Division I state championship with those numbers, whereas Chapel Hill is kind of what they are. Chapel Hill has three really special players. Can Anna show us that defensive mindset that will beat them? That That's what I'm going back and forth on. I feel like Chapel Hill is going to be too much for them because they have too many weapons. But the Anna that came out against Decatur, that team is going to be really hard to stop. They dominated Decatur. That game wasn't even as close as it looked because no. Decatur had a couple of fourth-quarter garbage stuff. You were there, Ward. Yeah. You tell us what you saw with that. Uh, were you impressed with that defense? Because that was an added version of the defense I have not seen this year. I was impressed with the defense, but going back to that Nate Palmer thing, they barely gave him the ball. They only gave him the ball 13 times. I, from what I saw the year before when, when Decatur played China Spring, he got the ball all the time. He was in the kickoff return and – punt returns and had the ball in his hands a lot. He barely had the ball in, in my eyes. So he wasn't getting it a lot, but I was very impressed with the defense. There's a spurt there in the second half, 24 to three run, which put the thing out of, out of reach. They got, they got themselves a turnover. It's that I was impressed with that defense, but I don't know as much about Chapel Hill as probably you do. And what we've seen in the playoffs is that, and it has had a couple games where they had to, you know, score late to win or, or hold off some teams late in the games to win or, or use the, some injuries from Steven to get past that one. Do they have what it takes? You're saying right now no, but I'll check back with you on Thursday when the picks are out and see what, what you got. But i got to get this stuff out on Wednesday now, so I'm, I'm running That's out right. of time to th- figure this out and get my mind changed. I think Chapel Hill just has too much speed, but this is one of those games that it's, it's a true 50-50 game. We're going we're gonna to have some games that are not pretty, uh, but this is going to be one of them that is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to shoot. Uh, it's going to be fun to uh, analyze, and I think it's really going to come down to coaching and, uh, and, and, uh, and the experience. Chapel Hill, despite the fact that they have not made it to the state championship, I mean, they have state championship pedigree. They made it to the state semifinals the last three years. Uh, I think the last state championship was the game against Alvarez about a decade ago and 
and uh, their the first time here. And so you have a first time coach, first time players, and you got a sophomore starting at quarterback. At some yeah. point, you know, you got a, a figure that he's going to make a mistake, but he has been all world. And, and some of the haters, if you remember our arguments about Salina and Anna talked about Coach Parr as being a quarterback expert. And what he has done with Williams this year has been right there because he's not playing like a sophomore. And it's going to, they're going to have to go up, but Ann's going to have him for two more years. So this might be their window because I don't know if 5A Division II, when they get uh, districted with Melissa and Lovejoy, if they're going to be considered a state championship favorite. Uh, but DeAndre Williams is going to make it sure fun in th that district. Uh, we're, we'll be talking a lot about that in the campfire uh, for sure. But right now, as of today, I'm taking Chapel Hill. Taking Chapel Hill. That means I got to take Anna, which I was going to do anyway. So there you go. I'm taking there you Anna. go. <laughs> the four Coach will give you a big hug and say, thank you for believing in us. That digs. He never did. He don't know what he's talking about. Uh, now get me a hat. I don't. So uh, they've they've proven me wrong more than once. Yeah, and like, like my big them. my big victory over them was picking Salina over them successfully. And then I you know I left leaving that I didn't go to the game, but I, analyzing that game, I left thinking Anna was the better team. Uh, they just you know had had a little bit of a lull. And getting Jacob Emmers back obviously has been huge. And you can see it seems like every week they're getting healthier and better. It's like. They're a juggernaut. It, it, it may be it may by by Tuesday. It may be hard to pick against them. I'm looking for a big game at Amherst in the state final. Somebody to make up for the they didn't really go to him a lot. He did get six catches, but he was kind of shut down that game. Uh, he's the kind of kid who, who wins MVP. I mean, he, he's that kind of player, a game changer, who, yeah. you know, you can run him in a reverse and, and he can go 70 yards. Uh, so he, he's a very special player and he's a game changer. He does use that whole field. You, know, you throw him a screen, he'll cut it back the whole way and do whatever it takes to get him that yardage. But 4A Division Two is Belleville against Gilmer. And Belleville, we, I can speak on them because they're a Houston squad. Uh, you know, we talked the whole season. They've blown everybody out. What happens when they get in a close game? Well, they finally proved it last week against Wimberley. They had to shut down a two-point conversion in order to pull that one out. They won a 35-33. It's a slot T, dude. If you if you, you get tripped, if you get tricked by the slot T, then the Belleville fans get treated for a long touchdown run because once that thing happens, they got three running backs, D.D. Murray, they got Sam Ranischke, and they got uh, Corey and Hood. D.D. Murray's their long threat. He's the one who takes off for the – 30 plus yarders. The other one's grinded out and it's the use of the fakes and all that stuff with the slot T we talked about last week. But then you have Gilmer who just beat the pants off of Glen Rose. That thing wasn't even close. Uh, probably five minutes into the game. They had 40 something by eight minutes into the second quarter. So they know they can put up points too. Could this game be one of those uh, scoreboard operators nightmares? You know, we, we gave our, our basketball metaphor last week, and Iona kind of finally showed us they were Iona uh, when, it, when it came to that. They got there, but, you know, when it was time to play ball, uh, they, they, they became they became a mid-major again, and uh, they, they, they got taken to the woodshed by Gilmer. Uh, Gilmer is a little bit ahead of schedule. Gilmer, you know, 2020, 2021, they played at AT&T, uh, lost to China Spring in 2021. Uh, but I, I feel like this version of the team is still a down version of the team. Uh, Belleville is is that perfect thing. So it's like, can you get ready for the slot team in a week? Can that coaching staff get this team reading those keys and, and seeing something in the film to, because how are you going to get your scout team to get that ready? You yeah. know, it, it's going to be very hard uh, for them to do it. So then it kind of falls under coaching and I, I don't have anything against the Gilmer coaching staff. I think that's just a hard, 
sell for anybody to get that ready for one week, that slot tee. People call it the devil for a re- reason. Uh, and Belleville got the test. You know, Belleville got the got the blue blood against Wimberley, and they shut him down. That two-point conversion uh, was very reminiscent of that uh, DeSoto, uh, yeah. of the Graham Knowles run yep. right there at, at the exactly. line. And, you know, just was it right there at that inch? It, from my perspective, it seemed like the right call. You know, they just yeah. didn't get that extra inch, and they were able to, to shut it down. And they got the test. And, you know, we, we see it a lot of times, blow out, blow out, blow out, then all of a sudden you play the first real good team, and you lose. And Belleville didn't have that happen. So they, I, I feel like they are going to win this game over Gilmer because I can't see Gilmer stopping Belleville at any point. Now, Gilmer is a hard – you don't put up 79 points even against a not great team and not be a, a prolific offense. They put up 47 or whatever it was against Carthage. I yeah. mean, so their offense is going to be clicking. But Belleville, I mean, if, if they answer – that just seems like it's going to be more consistent. You know, the slot T is something, if it works, kind of like we saw with DeSoto – Soto was getting eight to ten yards uh, at a clip against you know South Lake Carroll. They were able to go up and down the field, uh, and I think that Belleville is going to be able to go up and down the field. So, give me the Bramas. The Bramas, exactly, exactly. That's a way to pronounce that right. I appreciate that. And then, by the way, the people that work at AT and T Stadium, they're probably going to be looking around. It's like, hey, where, where's where's Carthage? Aren't they here every okay. single year? What happened here? I don't know what's going on. New blood, or get your own popcorn. I want to watch this game because I haven't seen these teams before. That with that Belleville offense, it's 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 key to be disciplined on the defensive side of the ball, and it only takes one series or one play to not be disciplined, and all of a sudden that's a six or seven yard play, gone the other way, and it's it's a nightmare for them. However, if Gilmore gets up, or if Gilmore gets up on them, and they have to pass the ball, then we got some problems here for Belleville. But I don't expect them to get behind, so. It'll be a fun game, I think, if you guys are there for the three PM game. So, what's your strategy? Are you are you gonna are you gonna take the ball first if you're Belleville? You got to get up on them quick. Yeah, I think I would, and I'm usually not a fan of that. I think I would do that. Let's let them know what they're up against right off the bat. Now, if you don't score, if you go three and out, then <laughs> mistake, mistake. But <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, boy, it's funny you mentioned that Graham Knowles play that gets stopped at goal. That's probably one of my favorite plays I've shot in the playoffs this year because. Had he ran it and didn't fly in the air, I think he would have scored. But when he when he dove and had that opportunity to get popped, and I forget who number 15 is for DeSoto, but he popped him, took off of the field. I mean, was, he literally landed right at the goal line. Everybody thought, oh, maybe that ball made it in there. But it was such a great play, great video of it. So I'm glad you brought that memory back before we went into 3A Division One. I, I saw it went viral on Max Preps. I don't know if it was your version of it or, uh, or the Harris – uh, but, Harris boys, probably the Harris boy. Everybody likes phone video instead of these high-end cameras. I need to sell my camera and just run around with this freaking phone. Apparently, that's the way it goes. He's, he's got the machine now where he's like got the got the stick holding it, you know, kind of. The Those thing. Harris boys, if I can just get them to show up at games on time, there's something special. I got stuck in traffic. I said, man, what in the world? Anyway, 3A Division One. Malakoff Franklin. A little on the job train. Like, you know, I'm getting my my year end evaluation, you know, after yeah. the Alito people come talk to you. You're going to give it to them on our uh, realignment podcast. Yeah, He's exactly. Gonna... Digs out. Harris boys come in, sit down. Let me tell you, tell me why I should keep you on. That's how I got to do it. All right. Tell me what you think about Malakoff and Franklin. It looks like Franklin's playing some ball because they knocked out both of the teams. Well, they didn't have to knock out Hitchcock, but they knocked out Columbus. And they're they're rolling down there on that side, and then you have Malakoff, who I'm sure you're about ready to give me the business on. So let me know because they got who? Mike Jones. 
Tell me what Mike you think Jones. about that game. DFW's own Mike Jones. Uh, although I will, I will go share that I went and pulled the pulled the head coach aside, and I'm like, Coach, oh yeah, give me, give, give me your thoughts. You think you think y'all are East Texas or DFW? He's like, we're clearly an East Texas team. I'm like, you don't know Why didn't you tell you me that stuff? Why did you answer that? Who do you know? Do you know who I am? You ran me on. You ran me on Twitter all week long. You didn't give me that piece of information. I you got after, but he's he can be wrong. Like you said, I he have can't to be, be wrong. wrong. He has the right to be wrong too. He goes to the Krogers. He goes to the gas stations, and they ask him, "Hey, man, what's what do you? They don't have who do you Kroger think? Kroger in Malikoff. East Texas? Yeah, we're East Texas. To get your Krogers in that area. All right, grocery store expert, tell me what you know uh, about this game. Just saying. I, I know enough to know Franklin's going to win this game. I would have picked Fra- Fra- pick Franklin over Brock or Malikov. I, I don't think the, either of the DFW schools were going to win this game. Uh, Franklin is, you know, I, I heard somebody make a really good point. I think it was Kenny Matthews uh, made a really excellent point that maybe losing to Lorena in the off in, in the not in the district took that pressure of the streak away. Yeah. So now you don't got to worry about that. Now you're not worried about the, you know, not only we got to beat them, but you know, they're 48 game winning streaker or whatever it was or whatever it would have been at this point. Now they just get to play football and they lost a lot of key contributors, but they just keep moving and keep going. And that game against Lorena was a, it was a shootout. I think they lost like 52 to 49. Uh, and then they got the game back. You know, they beat Lorena in the uh, regional finals. Uh, Franklin, uh, Malakoff probably shouldn't have won that game. You know, yeah, that was a five turnover affair. Uh-huh. You know, and and then they got the turnover late. Uh, great game management by them to not let Brock let them score because Brock was trying to do everything they could to get them to score and, and get the ball back. Uh, so great game management by Malikov at the at the end to to seal it. But I don't think uh, Franklin's going to give them five turnovers. I think if Franklin even gave them three turnovers, they're probably going to be okay. Uh, but I'm going to take Franklin. And from the video I saw uh, from their game with Edna. Uh, Hadrago is the kid's name. He scored four touchdowns in the first half for for Franklin, and then they I think he scored a bunch in the second half. He's a receiver over there. He looks like Does he go Rocky nice. and say, "I will break you. I will break you. I'm Hadrago, the magnificent." But can I handle who? Mike Jones. Sorry, I just like saying it. All right, three A Division two, and here's a little fun fact for everybody that uh, thinks I'm a good. Was well, Mike Jones, by the way, in your uh, your uh, fifty years of hip hop that you were watching before our podcast? Did he make? The... You know what? He was not. <sighs> I need to rewatch. He went in oversight, but they Clearly did have Rakim. They did have Rakim in there, which is what I was worried about. They wouldn't have best lyricist out there. Who disagrees with me? Call me up. Eminem might. Eminem. All right, listen to Lose me. Lose yourself in the music. Oh, God. God, help us. Help us all. Hey, here's something I learned you today. You have to admit, yesterday. while we're talking about this, Eminem has some really good metaphoric puns in his in his lyrical yes. genius. I have no problem um, with Eminem. Yeah, he had some smart lyrics. Just saying. No problem with Eminem. You bring up Macklemore, then I got problems. But Eminem. Well, are you no not going to pop some tags? No. $20 in your pocket? Oh, brother. Here we go. Listen, can we talk about 3A Division 2? Because that's this is where, awesome. This is, this is where I learned something about People Houston. tune into this for our hip-hop knowledge ward. We are the Digging for Wisdom crew, and we have to give the people their hip-hop knowledge. All right. Well, we'll give it to them. We'll talk about Kwame the Boy Genius from the early 90s. Who knows about it? Did, did it all start Nobody. with Gangster's Paradise? Is, is that the start of it all? No, I mean, it's is not that the, the start genesis? of it all. God bless it. Why are you talking about Coolio on this thing? If we're well, the talking, original. 
He's not the original. He's like well not, into the not Julio's version of it, but like the eighty or that's rapper's delight. Rapper's, rapper's delight. delight. Yes, is, is that Gangsta. not the start? Of it? See, that's, is that not the start of it all? That's around the start. Yes. Okay. Right. Just saying. Gangsters Paradise. This dude right now. Man, if I could reach hotel, in there. Right motel, now. Holiday Inn Ward. I could reach in there right now. Choke you. Well, here's what I learned yesterday. Tidehaven is a Houston school. I had no clue. Bay City, right down a block from Bay City. So I have a fourth Houston team to cover this week. And don't, don't ask me anything about Tidehaven because I know nothing about it. I keep thinking of Tidewater, which is down there in Norfolk area. But Tidehaven's taking on Gunter. Gunter's clicking again. Your boy Walker over, man. He is over, man. Oh, man, that was stale. We tell had, me what I can tell you this: we had three of four uh, regional semifinal or state semifinals. All were tigers. Really, three A division two is quite heavy in tigers. A lot of tigers. How out about there. that for insight? And then we got Tiger riding in the six A division two final, so that's pretty interesting. But who you got winning Gunter and Tide Haven? How much do you have Gunter winning? Of all twelve games, I think my biggest, highest probability of success. Like if we're going to play a game where we're having an elimination league, and I could pick one to like just put it all in there because you know last week I, I I put my hair on the line. I said if Forney could beat Alito forty nine, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, I put my hair on the line. Uh, I'm not putting my hair on the line because state championships anything can happen. But of all the teams, I would say Gunter has the highest probability of winning, even in, even considering six man. So. Uh, I think Gunter names their score uh, probably 20 to 35 point point margin in this game. Well, if you're listening, uh, Gunter, if you're going to name your score, name it 60 to 23 something so I can get some Tidehaven highlights on for them Houston folks. Don't name your score 49 nothing because that would that would sadden me. And Preferably the- in the first half so you can get some crowd reaction shots, right? Yes, crowd reaction, not depress people and people walking up to get nachos. That's crazy. 2A Division One, you'll be there. Toller against Timpson. Does Ken Toller stop Terry Bussey? That's the big question. I say no, but what do you say? I, I say they can't stop him either at the end of the day. Uh, but, you know, I, I, learning. I'm, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to do research on, on this. And this is one where I've started to uh, shift because I've started to watch some footage on uh, Timpson earlier in the year, and, and, they, and they've got some players. They've got some pieces around Terry Bussey, but two of those pieces, including their running back, J.J. Gidry, are not they, – they're injured and they're out. So now I'm looking at it, you know, I, I think – it's, it's depth. And you look at Toller and you look at the depth that they have. It, it's not just the Peyton Brown show. In fact, when they lost Peyton Brown uh, for the eight to nine weeks they lost him, they kept on going. It was Garrison Nation and Isaac Blessing, and they had some really good players. Uh, so I have kind of gone from 55-45 Timpson to 55-45 Toller and, right. uh, because of reading about these injuries and seeing the difference. You know, I've watched some footage of what they're running back, and they're running back, you know, Bless his heart is not J.J. Guidry. Uh, there is a drop-off between, you know, that and, and their wide receiver who is out is a drop-off between that. But you're 2A Division One. You only got you, you don't have enough yeah. uh, players on your team to really generate that depth. So can Terry Bussey do it all by himself? I don't think he can. I, I think uh, at this point, and give me another podcast, I may change my mind again, but watching the you – know, I, I thought that against Paradise, and Paradise brought out all these players injured. So who knows what we're going to see at the end of the day. Uh, and maybe one of these players that I thought would be a factor uh, who's not playing ends up playing. Again, I don't have the injury report. But as the difference in losing those two players, I would say from looking at it, that's number two and number three on their depth chart. You know, you got Bussy number one. They don't have two and three. 
And that's yeah. a big deal in 2A Division One. It so is. The it snake is. That's, ball. A, that's a good point. And Ganado gave them a game last week. They were up by yeah. two touchdowns early. They had to come back behind Terry Bussey. But that's a good point about 2A and, and lower. I mean, it's easy to say next man up mentality. Well, the next right. man up may be a freshman. Who, yeah. who's scared to death. And, you know, I, he's just doing it to supplement his time from band or whatever. And all of a sudden, yeah, you're next man up. I don't want to be next man up. <laughs> I don't want to be next who, man up. Who's after me? I don't know what's going on. All right, 2A Division Two. Uh, we got Albany and Mart. Mart is a mainstay, so is Albany. We've seen all, both of these teams a lot. So tell me who you think is going to pull this one out. You know, when, when I want the most basic formula I look at is they played each other last year in the state championship. Uh, Albany won that game by three touchdowns. Did Mark get three touchdowns better or some combination of Albany getting three touchdowns worse? Nope. Uh, Albany looks like they're, they might be even better. Mark kind of looks a little bit down from where, where they were, but Albany is playing at an incredibly high level. So give me Albany. Give him Albany. All right, and they, want- they beat our last DFW 5A or 2A Division two in, in Collinsville, so we get no DFW out of this game. Nothing. So we have to at least say the team that beat the team that yeah. beat our last uh, our, our last uh, team. And really, when you look at Albany's journey, the one team, their one hiccup was against Munster, and that was the one game that they could have that, that could have gone against them and, and maybe should have gone against them, but it didn't, and Albany learned from that, and I think they're going to take care of business. Excellent, excellent. And you want to talk about some one uh, a six man action? You know, I, I'm trying to learn about this one because I got to do pickums. You know, I, I got to right. defend my state championship as part of my annual review. If I if I get second, that's yeah. an embarrassment inside high school sports. We just can't have that. Take and I feel like me. my job is on the line. That my only value to inside high school sports is being the reigning and defending pickum champion. If if Nolan Ruth or something is that, I mean, I mean, he's he's younger than me and more handsome than me. So you can just come have have him come on here the podcast, and you can be digging for Ruths or Ruthing for wisdom or whatever it's going to be baby ruth wisdom baby ruth and i you know he could probably talk hip-hop better than i can too so i feel a pressure to know my six-man football uh and in the two games you got westbrook against whoever they're playing uh Gordon. Gordon. Uh, I, I think Westbrook is what most people consider the favorite. I watched Westbrook versus Happy in doing my research, and I wasn't impressed by Westbrook. So i got to watch Gordon and, and see what I can find out out of that. The other game, Benjamin against Oglesby. Benjamin's got the, they got the best six-man player in the history of six-man. I think uh, Benjamin's going to have the 45 on him. So if you get there at 11 o'clock to film that game, I think by 11.45 you'll be done. But I'm going to try to get there for that 2 o'clock game to see the uh, uh, six-man action before Toller. Uh, Westbrook and uh, and Gordon probably is right up there with Chapel Hill and uh, Anna and uh, as well as Toller and uh, Timson as being the Timson. best pure 50-50 games out there. So if you're bored Wednesday afternoon, come on out to AT&T, hang out with me, and we'll watch some six-man football. Let's watch six I'm taking Westbrook as of right now, but I haven't seen Gordon tape yet. Okay. And you, you, who, you pick Benjamin and the other one? Yeah, over Benjamin Oakland. by four to five. We're going to get we're going to get the four to five rule on them. They do have that rule. By the way, if you ha- if you haven't been to six man, it's, they play from ten to ten. It's first and fifteen. You got fifteen to get a first down. Extra points are two po- or extra points are one point and no extra points are two points because they want you to kick or two points and then two point conversions are one point. And if you kick a field goal, it's four points. So. So maybe if you're there, you'll let you'll let me like take the camera and film it, and maybe I can do my first ever social media. 
put out there put out there my my first ever highlight tape. Let's do Maybe that would be our on the job training. Keep it steady, and then knowing you, you'll drop the camera, and it would be done for the whole weekend <laughs> on some six man stuff. Unbelievable. Well, fortunately, there's probably going to be a lot of cameras at AT and T, so you might be able to borrow borrow, borrow. one. And I think probably the biggest news that I'm surprised you did not lead off our podcast with is the Plano East Panthers go to Fayetteville, Arkansas, hooping on the hill and beat some of the best Arkansas teams. And they win the Arkansas hooping on the hill basketball tournament by 37 points. They beat them like 70 to 33. How about those Panthers? I'm telling you, I don't we are the Arkansas Hooping on the Hill champion brought to you by Shaq's Big Chicken or whatever they Shaq's call it. Big whatever, Chicken. whatever Shaq's Chicken shop is. They sponsored Hooping on the Hill, brought Plano East out there. Plano East wins it. I'm telling you what, they're going to they're going to state. So you better get your your little I, I've got my contingency plans ready. Spring vacation. And that's one thing I like about basketball that we don't have to really deal with in football, unfortunately, is that they rank them one, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Uh, so you have, you know, you, might avoid Duncanville or whoever it may end up being until the the state finals. You don't necessarily yeah. have to play the second best team, depending on how the regionals. But I'm sure Beaumont United or some Houston team yeah, might exactly. have something to say about that. Uh, but you know, there's a decent chance that you can avoid them to this. That's the exactly finals. right. They go. They used to go by records. So one, two, three, four by records. So if you play an easier schedule, all of a sudden you get thrown in as a number one. If you play a hard this is what happens with Madison. Every time Madison goes, they, the whole non-district, they play nothing but 6A, 5A teams. They go to state with a you know, 19 and 11 record, and they get ranked four, and then all of a sudden they go on through and win the thing. Back when they were when they were hooping, hooping on the hill. What this, about Faith Family? How does that work in all of this? Well, Faith Family, they, I mean, they beat everybody they play, so they're usually going in on 30 and 5 records, something like that. So they usually rank number one. But we got one versus two last year in the final, so – we just hate it. We hate it when one and two are in the the best two teams are clearly in the semifinal just because of the record deal. But that's the way it goes. Hey, this is our final podcast, and I wanted to test out our viewership here. So I'm gonna be at state this whole weekend, uh, minus Wednesday. I have to be with the kids on Wednesday, so I probably won't be there for the taller so game. I, I get your credential. You can have mine. You can have my credential and sit wherever I sit, which is on the field. Sideline Dixie, he ain't doing that. <laughs> but to test it out, if you guys see me, you probably won't see Dixie because he won't have the hats with him. But if you see me on the sidelines, just and you want to yell out to me and say, hey, I watched Digging for Wisdom or what have you, just to see, I got these hats, man. I'm going to bring a bunch of these hats. As you see the one I wear every week. For those of you that wear the flat bills, I got one. I'll have one of these as well. I'll probably have five or six of these with me. Holler at me, say, hey, I don't like what Dig said on Digging for Wisdom. You get yourself a hat. God bless it. If you make a sign, oh, my goodness. If you make a sign, I'll bring some of these shirts. I got shirts as well. You make a sign, you get a shirt. I just want to test out and see what kind of uh, fandom we have. I don't wear these flat bill ones. I aged out of that one about 10 years ago, man. The flat bills are for the young young bucks. The old hats get the curb, man. Keep the sun out. We, so, we, get the, we have the challenge, the wizard challenge. You're bringing swag. Bring it swag, man. Please don't make me bring back all six hats or whatever in me I bring. Then I'll just be depressed and fire digs just like that. You're fired. Nobody watches this. And I put this on the... You really have to be an average watcher because I put this uh, little challenge here on the tail end of the podcast. So you had to, you had to sit through his Plano East yeah, talk. And you had to sit through six-man football, so... Yeah. So you're a real fan. If you know anything about this challenge, then you, you're you a real fan of the podcast and you'll definitely get one of these hats, so... 
that's what I wanted to say. Diggs, we're done for the year. What are you playing us out on? We're playing this out on something I picked off of the internet that has no title. So don't worry about that. But if I could, I'd, I'd play us out on the paid in full by Eric and Rakim. But I can't do that. I don't have the rights to it. So that's tough. But we will be back in February, brother. We're going to do that realignment special. And I'm looking forward to that. We usually have some coaches on. But we are definitely break down the new realignment, where everybody's going. Can DeSoto win in 5A if they choose not to opt up? All sorts of stuff. Lancaster can they challenge in 6A in the Duncanville district? Some good and if stuff. If Plano East makes a run to state, we will have a special basketball podcast. All right. Well, we're still talking about that. We'll, we'll figure out what if they don't. We don't have one. We don't have one. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's that simple. Like you know, you're. I can't talk right. faith family. I mean, what are you going to do about faith family? I mean, we can talk about it. Well, Brandon Thomas, he'll talk about his own. School. There you go. All right. Enjoy state action. We'll see you all next year for Digging for Wisdom. This has been a great year. Season three. Season three. I appreciate you being with me, Diggs. We'll talk to you later. We'll talk to you guys later. Again, stop. Holler at me if you see me. Let's see if we can get you a hat.